All right, well, here we go again at long last after missing a week. We're back with the chore of duty. I'm Spike. I'm Chris. The dude on the other side of the mic is Chris, and this is the Chore of Duty podcast. We're Welcome doing, back. Right now we're doing uh, an episode. This one's going to be dedicated to uh, the impeachment process. Now, we're recording this on Sunday, February 2nd, which means we don't officially have a... Uh, have a verdict in from the Senate yet. But everybody's made their their cases. Went right up to this past Friday, January 31st, and the senators decided 51 to 49 that they had enough evidence they didn't need any more witnesses. And yes, that was about whether they needed more witnesses, not any witnesses like some of the House Democrats are claiming. The senators decided they've had enough evidence they're going to review it and then come to a verdict, which will probably be sometime in the next week or two, most likely wrapped up before the State of the Union, when, which will let Donald Trump do a victory lap. But anyway, <laughs> so it's been a rough week for the House Democrats and for the Democrat Party, all the never-Trumpers, anybody who doesn't like Donald Trump. It's been a rough week. Uh, you've seen all kinds of... It's called Trump derangement syndrome. Bush went through the same thing back before Obama was elected, where just everybody dumps on him and decide they've had enough of him and don't want anything else to do with him. Only this time they're trying to throw Donald Trump overboard. Now, Chris, you don't I don't think you keep up with politics as much as I do, do you? Uh, I try to stay out of it, but I don't, I, I, I don't blame you. I hear yeah. So tell me, what do you think about impeachment so far? <laughs> Honestly, what do you think of it so far with the what? with the trial and everything? Have you actually watched any of the... I have not watched it because, honestly, I'm getting tired of the way the world is right now because, you know, it really worries me. It really does because there's so much people out there that... They want to help the world, but yet at the same time they're putting stuff out there saying "kill Trump" and and all that stuff. And it's like, what is wrong with you people? It's like, is this what we become? It's like monsters. It, it it it's like really horrible. But I just think it's actually real funny that he's he has like what? How long before he the vote? the, the so, re-election comes in November? Yeah. And this is just now happening. It's like, it's just hilarious it's, that it's just now taking place. Now, when Trump was elected back in, in 2016, I said at the time to the beloved who must not be named that uh, I thought this was going to be, the next four years are going to be hilarious because everybody's going to lose their poo over <laughs> Trump being elected. And sure enough, they have, but I didn't think they would go quite this far as far as actually trying to remove the President of the United States from office just because he's threatening their personal power. That's what a lot of these, that's what the deep state is, are these bureaucrats and high positions, the ones who carry through from administration to administration. I, I'm hesitant to call them like ticks, where they bury their head into the into the flesh and and latch on. We'll They're almost it more like it almost more like a cancer because they stay there and they just infest and they grow their power 
and they just get a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. And then anybody who's exposed to them is corrupted too because they see everybody is doing this and they think this is the only way you can get things done. So the impeachment process got its roots way before the election. As a matter of fact, there were people in the FBI who were actively working to keep Trump from being elected. And then when he was elected, they were, they were texting each other, trying to figure out, okay, we got, now we got to get rid of him. How are we going to do this? And that's where all of this came from, from the FBI investigation. And these agents lied and cheated and steal, stole. And next thing you know, the Democrat, Democrats in the House of Representatives are holding a, a hearing led by Adam Bull Schiff. That should give you an idea of what I, my opinion of him. And, uh, and there's just no evidence there that he actually did anything because you got to understand impeachment is not a criminal thing. Okay. This has nothing to do with criminal law or criminal prosecutions. It's not like Harvey Dent going after the penguin or the Joker or something. Okay. It's not like that. This is a political process. You do this to hold the president and other high officials, by the way, accountable the president is the one who most famously gets impeached, but you can impeach a vice president. You can impeach a, a United States judge. You can impeach just about anybody in, in an elected position in the United States. Problem is you can't impeach the people who don't get elected, the people, the cancers in the bureaucracy. And that means people in the FBI, people in the CIA, uh, people in the Department of Justice who all got together and basically conspired to overturn a free and fair election. So, the question is, how do we take this seriously? How do we respond to this? I mean, at, at, take everything, Chris, that you've heard about impeachment. Have, do you know anything about, over, have you ever heard the phrase overthrow or yeah. overthrowing the, the president? Yeah, I've heard that a thousand times over for, well, ever since he got in, honestly. Uh, of course, then again, I heard the same thing, the same talk when Obama got in. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Bush. Yep. It's like it's the same stuff over and over again. It's like, that's, that's what gets me about every, t every president. It's like you hear nothing but good stuff. Until they become president, and then it's like, oh, all this hatred is against them. And it's like, well, where was all this before? Like, I wasn't hearing none of that on TV. wasn't hearing none of that on in news or nothing like that. It was just all good things about what this person can do with our country. And then as soon, the very first day that they become president, nothing but hate coming everywhere. Yeah. And it's like, where were you? yesterday it's mm -hmm. like why why are you griping about it now well the reason they're griping about it now is because now they're that power is being threatened that's why suddenly this becomes you got to understand something else too where the roots of this actually go back it goes back not to hillary clinton who have you heard of the steel dossier no that's what's hillary clinton's campaign paid for that okay but it goes beyond that this rolls back to the Obama administration, Obama was the one who actually authorized the first investigation of Donald Trump's campaign because there were people whispering in back channels that he was he had ties to the Russian government. 
So he got, went ahead and authorized the investigation of that. You know, it's funny because before I remember people were making jokes. Every time there was a problem, they would blame Obama. Now it's blame Trump. Uh-huh. And I swear there was, I can't remember the guy who's running for whatever, but the, he had a campaign and it was talking about global warming and stuff like that. And it's Trump's fault. It literally said that in his campaign, mm-hmm. that global warming is Trump's fault because he said he didn't, I don't know, made a statement like it was all false evidence and stuff like that. And I'm just like, are you seriously blaming mm-hmm. this, this is This is what person. hate does to you. It turns it's your brain cells stupid. off. Hate turns your brain cells off. You stop thinking things through and you just start. Any, anything you can do to throw hate. The Nazis did it to the Jews back in World War II. Yeah. Anything that went wrong, they would blame the Jews because the Jews were the scapegoat. Trump is the modern-day scapegoat. Anything that goes wrong, it's Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay, Global warming, which is fake, by the way, or at least overblown, global warming is, is Trump's fault. Uh, spiraling budget deficits are Trump's fault. The... Uh, the fires in Australia, that's Trump's fault. Uh, that burnt cornflake you got in your bowl this morning, that was Trump's fault. Yeah, I'm you, Trump. Everything is Trump's fault. But <laughs> like I said, and as you pointed out, this goes back further. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing from a lot of people that they're kind of concerned about just how nasty this one's got. But it, it has gotten nasty. I mean, for years, nobody has asked me what side I'm on. Until Trump got into it, and now everybody's like, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? It's like, what What does it matter? Just leave me alone. Okay, now, on occasion, between the chore duty and we also do the geeking out on YouTube, on occasion, I've been known to blow your mind. Yes. Are you prepared to have your mind blown? Because (laughs) when when we return after this quick break, and yeah, we're actually going to take a quick break here before... We get get into this. I'm going to blow your mind and show you that the nice civility that we supposedly had from for most of the 20th century, not only was it fake, but it actually, uh, the divisions we had used to be a lot, lot worse than this, and it trails all the way back to George Washington. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> but you won't believe how until we come back right here. On the tour of duty on Anchor FM. Okay, we're back. Here we are with part two, part two of the tour of duty. We're talking about impeachment fever. Everybody's upset. Things have never been this nasty before. I'm here to tell you they have been nastier. And you're going to blow my mind. I'm going to blow your mind on this one. So let me explain a little something, something about what's been going on. Okay, now, before the break, you were talking about before Trump... Everything was Trump's fault. Everything was Obama's fault. Before that, everything was Bush's fault. Yeah. Okay. Before Bush, everything was Clinton's fault. Yep. Okay. Before that, everything was the other Bush's fault. And before that, everything was Reagan's fault. Before that, everything was Carter's fault. The Iranians taking the Americans hostage in the in Tehran that was Carter's fault. And before that, it was Gerald Ford's fault, mainly because he kept tripping all over everything. Before that, <laughs> Watergate was Nixon's fault, even though he didn't really know anything about what the plumbers were doing and in Watergate he was still the guy in charge so he took the hit. 
And before that, it was uh, Lyndon B. Johnson's fault. Before that, it was Jack Kennedy's fault. And then it was Eisenhower's fault before that. And this traces all the way back to George Washington. Now, George Washington, you got to understand, when the United States was established after the end of the Revolutionary War, George Washington was a national hero. I mean, he was... he. He tried not to be president. He didn't want to be president. He had already fought this revolutionary war for years. He just wanted to relax for a little while. He wanted to kick it back on his plantation, honestly, with Martha and just enjoy some retirement together. But everybody talked him into being president. He ran unopposed, and he could have stayed in office for as long as he wanted, but he, he kept it to two, two terms. And that's what established the, the tradition. Presidents don't serve more than more than two terms, at least till FDR was elected to four. But the reason there's a reason Washington wanted out after two terms. Okay, it wasn't because he decided two terms was enough. He felt eight years was enough. That wasn't necessarily it. That that played a part in it. The thing is, these guys have been at each other's throats since before the Revolutionary War. This trails all the way back to colonial America, and you had people who supported the Americans and people who supported the crown, and they were at each other's throats. Now, you, you've heard of tarring and feathering, right? Yeah. That was an actual thing. They would get a hold of somebody from the opposite camp, strip them naked, cover them in hot tar, and then rip open like a down pillow and, and douse them with it. Now, understand, this is... People talk about tarring and feathering like it's some kind of joke. No, this established third-degree burns all over your body. People died from being tarred and feathered. And this this is what was going on back before the Revolutionary War. By the time Washington finished his second term, people were calling for his blood because he was the one saying, hey, we need to take it easy here, stop taking sides on things. We're all in this boat together. We need to work together to get things done. F you, old man, we want it our way. And at the time, it was between, believe it or not, it was still the the Tories and the Whigs, pretty much at that point. These were people who believed in a strong government and people who believed in a strong state. So you either wanted the strong federal government, you wanted a strong, or you wanted the weak federal government. And you better pick a side, boy. Now, by the time Thomas Jefferson took, took control, he, he had established the Democrat Party, and then, then it was the Democrats and the, and the Whigs squaring off against one another for a while. The Whig Party eventually died down and was replaced by a number of different parties until uh, Abe Lincoln was elected. Okay. Abe Lincoln helped establish the Republican Party in the 1850s. So by the time 1860 rolled around, he was elected. He was a Republican, and Republicans were all for strong national government which is kind of what the Democrats are kind of like now. They all believe in the federal government over state government. Republicans supposedly support state governments over national governments, although it doesn't. the people who get elected tend to not do that once they get elected. But anyway, the reason the entire, stout, the entire South seceded from the North had nothing to do with, well, it had something to do with slavery, but Abraham Lincoln did not want the slaves freed. He, didn't, he couldn't care less about slavery. He was like, will you guys calm down? 
We've got to stick together or we're going to hang apart. And basically the South said, nuts to you, old man, and, and seceded, not, because, not over slavery so much, but because he was the wrong party. He was not a Democrat. So they took their ball and they wanted to go home. And he said, no, you can't leave. And they said, oh, yeah. And they started firing shots at Fort Sumter in South Carolina to try to take the federal arms there. And that's how the Civil War started. All because, all because Abe Lincoln was not a Democrat. That's what started the Civil War. He was on the wrong side. So, like I said, we've gone down this road before and it's gotten a lot nastier. Now, understand... George Washington, people, most people think of him as a saint, okay? Even he was taking crap by the time he left office. That's why he left. Every, every president, doesn't matter which side they're on, they, they catch flack from the other side. Obama caught a lot of flack from the Republicans. Not necessarily so much the Republicans, because Republicans, Democrats, there's really not that much of a difference anymore. It's just a matter of which team are you playing for. But Obama caught hell from the Republicans, and Bush caught hell from the Democrats, and, and honestly, he ca caught a lot of hell from conservatives, too, because he was not a conservative Republican. And, and uh, Clinton caught hell from the Republicans, and Bo the senior Bush caught hell from the Democrats. Reagan especially caught hell from the Democrats, although that was back when they were trying to be a little more genteel and civil. That stretched back to about the... the about World War II. They had seen what those kinds of divisions could do. So that generation tended to not be quite so divisive, not so balkanized into Democrat and Republican camps. Well, that greatest generation who fought World War II is mostly dead now. They're dying off. There is no Tip O'Neill anymore to go around smacking people who are getting out of line. You got Nancy Pelosi in charge of the House and she likes to talk smack more than anybody. She's not that good at it, but she still talks smack. So the bottom line is, this it's been a lot worse than what we've got here. Okay, We got into a, a, a period from like World War II to roughly the turn of the century where it was a little more wax off, but you could already see the veneer uh, being worn away back around the election of Reagan because the Democrats were all ticked off that Reagan was able to successfully intimidate the Iranians into giving up the hostages. And so that's why you actually, you didn't see Democrats cheering when Reagan was shot in his first term, but they knew better than to do it in public then. If Trump were shot today, I honestly think there are people on CNN, MSNBC, some of these others that would, they may not stand up and cheer and give the shooter a, a golf clap, but they would be feeling a lot more chipper doing their jobs than, than say, Walter Cronkite announcing the president had been shot. So yeah. you got to wonder about it. We're, we're actually just reverting to form. <coughs> Pardon the cough there, but... So, I mean, I've, I've, you remember the, the three basic rules of Spike, right? Yeah. It's all been done before is rule number one. We've been through this before. Oh, yeah, and we'll go through it again. And, and we'll again, go through it again. again. Yeah. So if, if Trump gets reelected this year, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to be hearing this over and over again because that was one of the stated goals of the uh, 
of the people involved in this impeachment campaign. If we don't stop him now, he'll get reelected. And when you're dealing with something like that, impeachment was not, impeachment was supposed to be like the nuclear option of American politics. Now, you can pretty much guarantee every president from this point forward is going to be under an impeachment threat every time they come into office. It doesn't matter who they are, they'll find something to complain about because now we've established a president that if you don't like his face, now you can impeach him. And that's... And, and I want you to think about something else, too. Okay, the people, the people elected Donald Trump. We can get, Trump won the Electoral College. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. There's a reason we don't follow the popular vote, because we did California, New York, would determine every one of our national elections. And nobody wants that aside from the Democrats in, in California, New York. Okay, that's why we have, that's why we have the Electoral College, so that everybody gets a say into how things work. Do you know, uh, I want to bring this up just real quick. <coughs> There's a movie out called Bombshell, and it's about Megyn Kelly, and, you know, it's actually about sexual assault in the workplace, but they do focus about 25 minutes of the movie with Megyn Kelly going up against Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And there's this part in the movie where her and Donald were actually talking. And Donald literally said, well, you know how this goes. When you say bad things to me, I say bad things to you. It's a cat and mouse game that we play. It's something that everybody does in the media and stuff like that. And, you know, it's true. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to lash back. Otherwise, people won't talk about it. Hmm. But yet, because he did, that caused Donald to be called sexist, you know, and, for and, women. And, and that's that's what fed into it, because he doesn't care. Yeah. You can call him names all day long. He's been called... Remember, Donald, been Trump, worse. Donald Trump has been in the real estate business in New York City for the better part of three to four decades now. He knows... He's been called every name in the book. Yeah. By people on both sides. I'm sure Ed Koch called him names. Rudy Giuliani called him names. David Dinkins called him names. I'm sure Bloomberg called him a, is still calling him names because he's trying to run for the yeah. gov- Democratic presidential thing. But And I just I, I think that was great that they added that into the film because a lot of people just don't they don't realize that, you know, that's what the media has to ask the tough questions. You know, mm-hmm. even though how stupid they are, they have to be like, so I heard that you don't like Rosie O'Donnell for this reason, and you called her that. And he's like, well, you know, it's, 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 a, it's entertainment for yeah. us fools, you mm-hmm. know? It's, this is the bread and circuses that they, yeah. they promised the, the Romans in the Colosseum. And the, that's, that's honestly what a lot of the people in charge of the country think. We're a bunch of plebes. Okay, we're we're the we're the dirty unwashed masses because there's been, I believe it was John Kerry got in hot water because he was talking about how ordinary people smell. So, but the the last time, if you would like to know how this turns out eventually, and and, and like I said, it's all been done before, right? This is the part that blows your mind. Okay, 
what you're about to see, if this continues on the course it's on, okay, is not the American Revolution. It's not going to be the second American Revolution, okay? Right. You're going to have to look at the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. With the guillotines, because the last time you had a large, moneyed elite who established themselves in charge of things with a figurehead that they didn't necessarily like, they tried to play roughly 80% of the population who were just eking out a living day to day and were on the edge of starvation the entire time. We're not to that point yet. But if the rich, rich keep getting richer and the poor keep go, getting poorer, what you see eventually, that 80% is going to start looking for somebody to hang. Yeah. And so what the, what the elites are going to do is point to the guy in charge and say, you should hang him. That'll fix everything. They'll hang him and then realize, you know what, things aren't getting any better. It's been a year or two. Things didn't get better with the new guy in charge. Maybe we should be looking at the elites who told us to go after this guy. Maybe he wasn't the problem. So people keep forgetting there were two French revolutions back in the late 18th century after the American Revolution. The first one went after the king and Marie Antoinette. We know how that turned out. The second one was even worse. That's where they went after all the, the gentry, the lords, the princes, and all the other elitists and stuff, and pretty much destroyed them. There was blood everywhere from that one. And what that's what we've got now. We've got Donald Trump, who is trying not to be a figurehead, and as long as he can crack the whip and keep the elites in line, the ones who have the cancers in the system, as long as he can keep those cancers under control, then he can keep them from being eaten by the, by the rest of the hoi polloi in the United States, the great unwashed, the other 80% of us. But the minute they get rid of Donald Trump, what they don't even realize, and look at some of the things they've done over the past three years, you realize they're not that swift. They don't see this coming. Everybody else saw what was going to come in the Senate because the Republicans controlled the Senate. It didn't stand a snowball's chance for removing Trump, but they did it anyway. What they don't realize, Donald Trump's the only thing keeping them from being stripped, dragged out of their Silver Spring, Maryland townhomes and beaten to death in the streets. So, so don't, don't think that's, we've gotten to the point now, honestly, we're into this. The second French revolution is a thing. And also don't forget that with improvements in technology, we can get to the point we can destroy the entire American economy without firing a shot. Hmm. All it takes is the right piece of code in a federal reserve computer somewhere. And all of a sudden the American economy disappears which is what China's been trying to do for years because they know they can't beat us any other way. They certainly can't beat us militarily. But. Wow. See, I, I am worried about who's going to be who's going to be next. I am actually worried. Because now, here's the thing. I know it's not going to be the same anymore because one of the things that I do really appreciate about Trump is he he's not afraid like countries can threaten him and he'll be like you gonna do it come at or me are you bro. gonna do it 
Come at me, bro. Yeah. And that's something that <laughs> nobody else ever had the guts to do. Yeah. They call their bluffs. Yeah, yeah. And I've told people that. I've told people that before Trump even gave me. And it's like they're worried that, oh, North Korea is going to send a missile over here. And it's like, well, that'd be really stupid that they did. But we'll be in a war and all that stuff. And no, I'm like, we'd, we'd well, be in a nuclear exchange for about five seconds. And then after that, North Korea glows in the dark. South exactly. Korea has to relocate. China won't do a thing because they're going to look up the sky and whistle as they walk away. Exactly. <laughs> they I mean, it's like they're worried about, you know, other countries going to do this to us and do that to us. And it's like, guys, you, you're kind of failing to look at the fact that we have more stuff than they do. I mean, we, not to mention, like, the military, we got the Army, Navy, Air Force. I mean, the list goes on of all the things that we got more than what other countries do have. Mm -hmm. So, we're pretty much well taken care of, except now, instead of using that as in politics, we actually have a president that is literally standing there like, oh, you got a red but I got one too. You want me to push it? I'll push it. I'll push it. You want me to? It's fun. You want and, me? I'll push it. And this is exactly what the elites worried about because the elites have had everybody convinced up to this point that you had to give in. Exactly. You, you couldn't stand up to these little petty tyrants and stuff like Iran, North Korea and stuff. You couldn't stand up to them because if you did, then people would die. Yeah, people don't die from this. They, you. Th this is how you deal with a bully. You beat the snot out of them. You exactly. don't talk. You beat the snot out of a bully, and then once you bloodied a bully's nose. I mean, look at a Christmas story, and uh, the guy with the yellow eyes, whatever his name was. Yeah. I can't think of his name right now. But once once Ralphie busted his nose, that was it. He wasn't a bully anymore because everybody realized you could actually kick his butt. And Ralphie yeah. was a little nobody, and he managed to do it. So everybody else just yeah. walked away and realized they, there's no threat here anymore. Exactly. And that's and that's the thing that we need to keep having in our country instead of just sitting back like, oh, no, maybe we should be scared. I don't know what to do type of deal and actually just be like, look, <laughs> you know, Picture me as a father and all these millions of people in the U.S. as my kids. What does father do to protect our kids? You know, mm -hmm. whoops them. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll say one thing before we close this up here. I'm gonna, have you heard of the, of the idea of a canary in a coal mine? No. We, back, in the, back in the day, Trump, and when coal miners would start digging through, they would bring a canary with them because a canary has smaller lungs. If they managed to break into a pocket of like natural gas or something or something that they couldn't breathe, oh. the canary would keel over and die first. And they would realize something was wrong. They needed to get out of there. All the human miners would back up and then the people with the... Uh, with the air mask would go in and figure out what was going on. I think I so the concept like of the canary in the coal mine is you get something relatively minor that serves as a as a warning when something's about to go down. Okay, something more drastic or severe. Watch the Democrat national. Uh, watch the Democrat Party's primaries going through this spring. Now, we're recording this on Sunday, February 2nd, just before the, before the superb owl, by the way. 
the Iowa caucuses are tomorrow, Monday, February 3rd. Okay, that's the first primary election of the 2020 season. Okay, this is for the Democrats. Nobody's opposing, nobody major is opposing Donald Trump. He's going to win the Republican regardless. Yeah. At least they didn't violate that. Because whoever did probably be embarrassed by what happened. But anyway, <laughs> Bernie Sanders is leading in Iowa right now. Bernie Sanders was leading in Iowa back in 2016 and New Hampshire. One of both, as a matter of fact, and embarrassed Hillary Clinton. Now, the same guys who supported Hillary Clinton back in 2016 in the Democratic Party are also trying to keep Bernie from messing things up in 2020. So they are trying to see if they can go back to the superdelegate idea that got Hillary elected and that ticked off virtually every Bernie Sanders supporter in the country because they felt Bernie got ripped off. And those people, those Bernie voters either stayed home in the general election in 2016 or they voted for Trump as a protest. So... Watch what happens with Bernie Sanders on uh, tomorrow in Iowa in the caucuses. If he wins the Iowa caucuses and the Democrat powers that be start talking about superdelegates or some other way to keep him, to knock him out of the lead so he doesn't become the Democratic Party's candidate in 2020, then if they start doing that, you're going to start seeing a lot of grumbling happening on the Democrat Party side. There are some on the Republican side who think that this is hilarious and they're getting the popcorn ready and stuff. No, 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 no. Socialists are a different breed. Okay, Bernie Sanders is a socialist. He's not a liberal. He's not a leftist. He's a socialist. Socialists are like light versions of communists. <laughs> it's like communism light. The thing about socialists, they tend to attract people who are a little more militant about their beliefs than the usual liberal conservative that tend to be a little more genteel with each other. We're talking about the hardcore Kool-Aid drinkers. We're talking about the militant guys. If they get the idea that Bernie's getting screwed out of the candidacy again, even though he doesn't stand a snowball's chance of winning in the fall, at least I don't think so. Of course, I didn't think Trump stood a snowball's chance either. <laughs> but if Bernie, if they, if you start hearing rumblings about Bernie getting screwed over, that's going to be the warm up for it. Okay, you're going to what you see happen in the Democratic Party this summer is going to be probably foretelling what happens nationally with the deep state and Donald Trump if he gets reelected. Because they are going to pull out all the stops to get him out of office. And honestly, I don't know how, how much Kool-Aid they're drinking. <laughs> but it could, this could turn nasty, guys. So, like I said, just keep an eye out. If Bernie does win the Democratic Party nomination and squares off against Donald Trump... You don't throw a, a far left old guy against a far right old guy and think that you're going to be providing a real, a real difference here. People will stick with Trump because he has a track record of being successful with things. Yeah. I mean, even a lot of the people who didn't like Trump when he was elected have kind of been like, well, yeah, I don't like him, but at least he's effective. So Bernie probably doesn't stand a chance. 
quite frankly, I don't think the Democrats could could put somebody up who would stand a chance. Joe Biden, all we have to do is launch an impeachment inquiry into into him regarding what he did in the Ukraine with his son in Burisma. And quite frankly, you'd probably get him impeached pretty easily because he actually, if he he actually is caught on tape bragging about threatening to withhold a billion dollars military aid from the Ukraine if they didn't get rid of a prosecutor who was looking into his son's company. So, wow. yeah, that's what, that's what the entire impeachment thing was about. Donald Trump calling the president of the Ukraine saying, could you look into this and let me know if you find anything out? That's what that phone call was about. And, and Trump actually has a responsibility as president to investigate corruption because he's basically he's the top cop in the country. He's yeah. in charge of law enforcement. So, it, like I said, things can turn nasty real quick. This could go really, really bad unless people are able to come to their senses and realize that it, it's been called balkanization, it's been called tribalism, whatever you want to call it, it's just bad news and never ends well. So think about that when, especially you guys listening, all three of you, I think, <laughs> for you guys listening out there, keep that in mind before you start looking for somebody to blame. So any thought, last thoughts on impeachment and what we're going through and might go through in the future? Oh, there's too many thoughts, but I'll, I'll leave it rest here. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see you all next time. Uh, if you want to let, let us know what you're thinking about this, be sure to hit up the Who, What, Where accounts on Facebook or on Twitter. We're at W-H-O-W-O-T-W-A-R-E. You can also find more episodes of The Chore of Duty coming up. We have things, we have episodes that are going to be all kinds of things. So just keep an eye on the news and you'll most likely hear us talking about it shortly thereafter if we can pull our heads out of our rumps and actually record another episode. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Spike. I'm Chris. That was Chris. We'll see you next time on The Chore of Duty. Y'all take care now. <laughs>